Welcome to the KICC Malawi podcast. We pray that you will be encouraged with the message today. Lessons from the life of Moses. We're not going to go, uh, these are not the only five lessons, six lessons I have to say, because I think we have covered six things, including what we're going to cover today. So it's not the only six lessons, there is more to this, but I think at this stage, this is where we're going to stop because then we're going into the new year and we need to begin to focus on other things. Very likely, by God's grace, we're going to come back to the life of Moses, even in the new year. Amen. Amen. So let's turn our Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 25 to verse 27. There's a lot of feedback from these speakers. Uh, that, that's far much better if you can just take it off. That's Far, far much better. Thank you so much for the great work you're doing. May the Lord richly bless you. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 11, 25 to 27. That has been our foundation scripture. And uh, from there we've been moving on to other scriptures, which I'll just mention about today. And then we'll go to the scripture that we will focus on today, Hebrews 11, 25 to 27, New International Version of the Bible. The Bible says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Amen? Amen. And uh, from there we came up with three lessons. And lesson number one was basically to say that if you are going to be good at anything in life, you need to accept short-term pain. Because in verse 24, the Bible clearly tells us that there was a time when Moses grew up. And I've been saying to us, there must come a time in our lives when we grow up. Amen? And this is not growing up just in terms of stature. But we must grow up even in the way that we think, in the way that we do things. You cannot be 50 years old and be doing things as a 17-year-old old. 17-year-olds do things that befit them as 17-year-olds. 50-year-olds need to behave and do things like 50-year-olds. And the 90-year-olds need to do likewise. But 
The amazing thing about life is that sometimes you see somebody who is so grown up in body, and you wonder and you actually say, why do they behave like a kid? Because they haven't grown up. Hallelujah. Paul says, when I was a child, I felt like a child. I was doing things like a child. But now that I've grown up, I no longer do things like a child. So we, we talk about that, that when Moses grew up, he refused to be known as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. There must be some things in our lives that we refuse, that people don't have to keep on putting pressure on us. Just on our own, we should be able to say, I used to do that. It's no longer of any value to me. This is where my life is going. Amen? As you grow up, actually, you discover that some things you used to sweat about, you even wonder why you were sweating about them. You go, I really don't understand. It was because you were in that phase of life. So I say you have to accept short-term pain because letting go of that thing is not easy but you are looking forward to where God is taking you to. And I say that pain is part of life. There is no birth without pain. And nothing in life comes easy. Hallelujah. So if you want it the easy way, then you are not fit for this life. Number two, we say that choose God's values if you want God to use you. A lot of us have cried before the Lord, Lord use me for your glory, Lord use me for your glory, Lord use me for your glory. But the only way the Lord is going to use you for his glory is you have to choose his values. You have to decide what matters to you. What matters to you may not be what matters to other people. But what you're going to discover about this common secret and open secret of life is that you only have one life. And that one life, you don't live for other people. You live for you. Hallelujah. If you don't decide what is important in your life, other people will decide for you. And you will live your life by their values and not your own. And it's really sad to live all this life and not really live the life that God intended you to live. That requires, again, a lot of pain because there are decisions you need to make in your life, some friends you have to let go, and some friends that you have to let them live in your life. So choose God's values if you want God to use you. Number three, we say that Moses made some intentional resolutions about how to live his life. He made a resolution to live by faith and not by fear. And I say that the closer you get to God, the more you're going to be filled with faith. The further away you get from God, the more you're going to be filled with fear. So if you really want to live a life of faith and a life by faith, then get closer to God. And that also requires some pain. Because you have to not eat food. When everybody is eating food. I remember talking to a brother a few days ago on 23rd. 
And he said, Pastor, is it allowed that one cannot break their fast and just carry on even during Christmas? And I said, you're most welcome, brother. You're most welcome. It's just that there are others who don't have the kind of faith that you have. Uh, so you don't want to put it on other people. Uh, you, you have to allow them to eat at least a piece of chicken. But for you, you can carry on. He says, no, I'm carrying on all the way. I'm not stopping all of the way. And as, as, uh, as after I left him, I was like, he must have seen God. Because to come to that point where that whereby food is no longer uh, of greater value, you must have seen something. But I'm not saying those of you who ate COVID-19, you didn't COVID-19. Hallelujah. But the further away you get from God, the more the more you're going to be filled with fear. And I've said that God is not moved by our complaints. God is moved by one thing and one thing alone. It's called faith. In the book of Matthew, chapter 9, 29, it says, according to your faith, let it be done to you. So your faith has far much greater impact on what God does in your life. Number four, we said that Moses learned and knew that prayer influences God's decision. We saw it in Exodus chapter 32, 9-14, which I'm not going to read this morning. But I emphasize that in prayer, you can plead with God for certain situations. We saw it in the life of Abraham in Genesis chapter 18, verse 16-32, when the angel of the Lord was going to go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham pleaded with the Lord. And Lord himself. We saw it with Mary when they went to the wedding at Khan of Galilee in John chapter 12, verse 1 to 12. They ran out of wine and eventually they tell Jesus, Mary goes to Jesus, that they have no wine. And Jesus doesn't even call her, her mother. He says, Woman, woman, what has that got to do with me? And I said, you try to go to the village and call your mother woman. <laughs> she will say, <laughs> you know, Because that's not how you call your mother. It's a woman. Woman, what does that got to do with me? But he says, whatsoever he says, do it. We saw it in the life of Hezekiah. When the prophet came and said, sir, put your house in order. You're going. And the guy goes before the Lord and says, Lord, you know how I am living for you. And God extends his life by another 15 years. That story is in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 20, verse 1 to 11. Number five, we saw that Moses was a worshiper in Exodus 34, verse 1 to 9. And I say it is possible to be a prayer warrior. It is possible to be an intercessor. And still not be a worshiper of God. Because worship cannot be lame. Worship is a spontaneous outbreak. It is the act of the heart that is overwhelmed by a revelation of God's glory and His incredible love. And I said, worship is a response to 
gratitude. It's a response of gratitude. It's just spontaneous. Today, I want us to look at our last lesson. And the lesson comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 18, verse 1 to 27. The Bible says, And Jethro, who also in Exodus, chapter 2, verse 16 to 18, is called Reuel, R-E-U-L, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. This is what we see in Hebrews chapter 11, 27, whereby it says, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. Verse 2. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, you can now know where Brother Martin and Sisters Mania took the name from. For Zippo Zippo. Moses' wife. After he had sent her back. So when they were going to Egypt, there was a point when Zipporah went with Moses. And then later on, Moses had to send her back home. Now to her dad because of what was going on. So this is just a continuation. That now she's going back to her husband. In verse 3, with her two sons, of whom the name was one, of one was Gershom, for he said, I've been a stranger in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. That's Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai and Mount Horeb is one and the same. Verse 6. Now he had said to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and our two sons with her. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other about their well-being, and they went into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. All the hardship that had come upon them on the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord, who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, for in the very thing in which they behaved proudly, he was about. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, What is this thing 
than you're doing for the people. Why do you alone siege and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me and I judge between one and another and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. You need to have some people that tell you the thing you're doing is not good. It's not because they hate you, but it's because they wish you well. Hallelujah. Amen. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel. And God will be with you. Stand before God for the people. So that you may bring the difficulties to God. All he's telling me is pray for these people. Stand in prayer for them. In verse 20. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws. And show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people, ever men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and so God commands you, then you will be able to endure. And all the people will also go to their place in peace. All he's saying is, you will have strength, Moses. There will be peace for the people. And you'll be able to empower a host of new leaders altogether. Verse 24. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads of the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. So they judged the people at all times. They had cases they brought to Moses. But they judged every small case themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart and he went his way to his own land. Amen. Amen. So lesson number six, which we have dwelt on today, is that Moses submitted to cancer. Hallelujah. Amen. Moses submitted to cancer. The last time Moses was at Mount Sinai, was at Mount Horeb, was at the mountain of God. He was a shepherd taking care of sheep. And he met God at the burning bush as we see in the book of Exodus chapter 3. But this time around, he is now shepherding a nation. And, and when you read this story that the Lord spoke to him in Exodus chapter 
Egypt. And he really didn't want to go to Egypt because there was a case that was pending. I have seen, uh, I've read, not I've seen, I've read of cases, especially in the United States of America. Somebody else can be 90 years old uh, by now and they committed some case when they were 12 or they were 17. They will find you. And they will still send you to prison. And, 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 and people can say, hey, the man is old. They will say, and he committed. So Moses knew, I go to Egypt, there's a case that is pending there. But now when he's back at Mount Sinai, he is actually recounting about God's faithfulness to his promises in the life of Moses. That the Lord promised. He spoke to me when I was here last time. I didn't want to go to Egypt. But now I've gone to Egypt and I am back. And, and he's able to say, you know what? In all this process, God has been very faithful in my life. Because even though I was a stranger in a foreign land, God gave me a son. And he calls him Gershom. Not just Gershom, but then he calls the other one Eliezer. And he says, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. You need to come to a point in your time, in your life, whereby you say, you know what? When I look at everything, God has been my help. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God has been my help. And, and, and Moses calls his son Eliezer because he wants to remember that in all that I have gone through in my life, God, God has been my help. Hallelujah. I've gone through the fire. But God has enabled me to bring his people. To his mountain as they had promised. And, and Moses is there remembering all that the Lord had done for him. And, 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 and not just for him but also what he had done for Israel. And he begins to write it down as an account. It's a time of reflection for him. But not just a time of reflection. It's also a time of family reunion. After crisis upon crisis. We need to come to a time in our lives whereby we can just sit and reflect on the goodness of God. Because I can assure you one thing, God has been good to you. Amen. I thought you would say amen. amen. I, I, can, I can tell you, God has been good to you. Amen. If God was not good to you, I don't know what would have happened. I don't, I don't want to say you wouldn't be here. <laughs> but I want you to know God has been good to you. Even in this year when it's amazing. It's a, what, what is amazing is that we heard about COVID-19 in December of 2019. Of course, people got to know about the eagles. There's a flu, a flu, a flu, a flu. By the time we come into 2020, and by the time we are coming to Mar in, in March of 2020, February, March, we know what this flu is all about. And 
And I want you to understand this thing. We have lived with COVID for over two years now. Some of you were infected along the way and you came out of it. That's God's goodness in your life. Amen. Amen. There are others who caught the very same thing and their power wasn't as worse as yours. And not because they were so sinful. No, 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 no. But they're gone. And, and the Lord, in His divine wisdom, He still has kept you to this day. And you need to be able to say, Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for the gift of life. Amen? Amen. So Moses is reflecting upon what God has done. He says, the Lord delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. He has been my help. He hasn't only been my help, he has been the help of my family. We don't know the reason why he had to send Zipporah and, and Gershom back and, 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 and Eliezer, but eventually he brings them back. And, and now they are reunited once again as a family. And he's reflecting upon all these things. He's reflecting upon the crisis that they made along the way. When there was lack of water at Mara, he's reflecting upon the time when the people complained that it was better for them to die in Egypt than for God to bring them and die in the desert. And they tell them, when we were there, we were eating garlic. We were eating meat. And we were, we were slaves, but at least we were eating. And here we have come in the wilderness and there's no meat. And God says, I'm going to give you meat and I'm going to give you bread. And, and he gives them bread, he gives them instructions how they have to collect it. They disobey even a simple instruction of collecting now for the day. And he's reflecting upon all those things. He's reflecting upon the time when God said, I think these are stiff-necked people, let me just finish them off. Not once, but several times. He is reflecting upon a time when there was again another lack of water that they experienced at the Rephidim. And then he is reflecting upon an attack that came upon them from the Amalekites in Exodus chapter 17. And he has to send Joshua and say, Joshua, you go and fight against the Amalekites. But I'm going to go on the mountain. And when I go on the mountain, I'm going to have Aaron and who they have to hold my hands because my hands are going to get tired along the way. They hold my hands and the Bible tells us every time the hands of Moses were up, Israel prevailed. Every time the hands of Moses went down, then the Amalekites prevailed. They are coming from Egypt. They are not yet in the promised land. On our way to wherever God is leading us to, I want us to understand and know one thing. We are going to face war. We are going to face battles. But through it all, through it all, through it all, the Lord is going to see us through. We serve a faithful God. If, if there is anything I will tell you today is that we serve a faithful God. So later on, there is a problem. The father-in-law comes. They have done their reunion and everything else. And then in the morning, he sits and he sees what is going on. And one thing he sees in Moses' life is that this man is exhausted. He is exhausted. He is managing the affairs of two million people. 
He's managing the issues of two million people. This man is hired. Because every problem was brought before Moses for him to judge and for Joe Moses to render his decision. And, uh, and, and we'll look at the cancer. So Moses, so uh, Jethro asks him, he says, what is this thing that you're doing? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? When you, when you begin to do it, it feels good. When, when people come to you all the time, people come to you all the time, it feels good. And then later on you realize I'm a human being. And, and just from you it. And, and it's amazing the response of Moses. Moses says, you know what? Because the people come to me to inquire of God. It's, it's more or less like everybody comes to offer the pastor and say, Pastor, what should I do? What is the Lord saying? What should I do? What is the Lord saying? It, it, it might feel good like I'm the one one who actually amongst these people is God. And, and the father in law says, No, it's not good. He says, Even as I am bound, I'm a bit of a name, Damini. I was reading yesterday that I've forgotten the year, but there have been over 300 peace treaties on, on planet Earth in the world, and almost none of them have been kept. So I think if they argue today, they would argue again tomorrow, and they are bad. And, more, and every problem is brought to Moses for him to judge and to render his decision. So Jethro says, listen to me, and I'm going to give you counsel. Now, there are three things about Jethro. Number one was that Jethro was Moses' employer. Because when he ran away from Egypt and he comes over to the land of Midian, Jethro had daughters only, and the daughters were taking care of sheep. So they came over to the well to give water to the sheep and then the shepherds begin to chase them and Moses stands up for them. He pulls, uh, uh, pushes the stone and then gives water to the sheep. And they go home and the father says, so take advantage of the and what has happened today you're back there? He says, we made an Egyptian and he helped us. And the father says, so, so, where is he? Why didn't you invite him home? So the environment comes over and Jethro gives him a job to take care of the sheep. Then later on he gives Moses his daughter Zipporah to become Moses' wife. And this time around, he is not coming as an employer, he is not coming as a father-in-law, he is coming now as an advisor. And if there is one thing, I've heard people who say, you give them advice, you give them advice, and then later on they say, do you know I hate to be advised? But this is not just another advisor. This is the father you know. I, I don't know how many of us, if the father of your wife told you, sit down, I need to advise you, 
that you begin to think maybe your wife went to tell him something else. Maybe Zipporah complained. When we were in Egypt, he was taking too much about ministry. So now that we are going back that you need to sit him down. So, so already you are thinking, this is not of his own making. There must be a hand behind this. So is that, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, you are just saying, finish. You finish whatever you want to say, we are done, and then I carry on with my business. Now, it's not just that. There is another complication to all that as well. Because the Bible says he was a priest, but he wasn't a priest of God. He was a priest of Midian. Now, let's talk about Midian. Midian was a nation that had descended from Abraham, from his second wife, Keturah. After Sarah died, he had about six sons uh, with, with Keturah, Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, uh, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shur in Genesis 25, verse 12, 1 to 2. So Midian came from there, and, and Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, where Moses encountered the burning bush, was also in Midian. In, according to Psalm 106, verse 19, and Exodus 31, verse 18. The traders who took Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites were Midianites. When you read in Genesis 37 to the end. And the children of Israel again encountered the Midianites after leaving Egypt when they passed through Moab, which had bordered, which bordered with Midian, according to Numbers 22, verse 4. And after Balaam failed in his attempt to curse the Israelites, he successfully advised the Midianites to send their daughters to seduce the Israelite men. And that caused the plague to come and, 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 and strike the Israelites and over 24,000 people died. There's a case of Zimri, who was a man of Israel and, and a, a young lady called Cosby. Cosby was, was a Midianite woman. So, after the crisis felt, where Balaam successfully managed to, to get the Israelites, when he advised the Midianites, send your young girls among his Israelite men and let them be seduced. When they are seduced, they will cause a plague to come upon themselves. So even one of the last commands of, of Moses from God was that they had to take vengeance upon the Midianites in Numbers chapter 31. And they had to bring in 1,000 from each tribe to finish off the Midianites. They came back with women and, and kids. And Moses says, what is this thing that you have done? Every woman was married, killed. Every male child, killed. Just leave the ones that are virgins. These ones you can have for wives. So they finished all of them. And, and that was one of the last commands that God gave Moses says, you finish on this one before you take these people into the promised land. Deal with the Midianites for what they did when Balaam advised them to cause my people to sin. During the time of Judges, in the book of Judges, Midian, Midian is again associated with the enemies of God 
who tried to overthrow Israel in Judges chapter 6 verse 1. And God had to raise up Judge Gideon to overthrow the Midianites yoke that had been oppressing Israel for over seven years. So despite the divinely emphasized enmity between Midian and, and, and the descendants of Jacob, Jethro's descendants eventually merited a portion of the land. And when you go to Israel today, there's a group of people that live in Israel. They even serve in the Israel Defense Force. They're called the Druze. D-R-U-Z-E. And they are linked to and they claim to be the descendants of the Midianite Jethro. So, so even in, in, in people where you may think nothing good can come out of Nazareth, something good can come out of Nazareth. Your father is, no, is not evil after all. He's a good man. And let all the men say amen. amen. Now you're not saying amen. What's going on? You know? So, so he comes in and he tells Moses something. He says, you need to choose evil men. You need to choose men who fear God. You need to choose men of truth. And you need to choose men who had dishonest gain. They shouldn't just be men who make good judgments. They have to have morality to cause the legal system to be above reproach. In any generation, God's people are blessed to have people of such character. In any nation. If you look at one of the complaints people complain about in Malawi, is even sometimes, when I take this case and bring it to court, somebody may bribe the judge, may, may bribe the magistrate, may bribe whosoever, and I may not get the justice that I deserve. In any generation, when you have got ever men, when you have got men who fear God, when you have got men of truth, when you have men who had dishonest gain, that generation is blessed. I was watching a clip yesterday by a pastor in Ghana. And he says, he was talking to six big businessmen in Ghana. And he was asking them, he says, why is it that Ghanaians need jobs and you guys have got all the money? Why, why is it that you can't open up factories? And, they, and the long and short of it, they said, look here. We have never lost a lot of money because of taxes, because of anything else. The big chunk of money that we lose is because the Ghanaians we want to employ, it's the very same Ghanaians who steal from us. And, and, and that's a challenge. Maybe across Africa. Even here. The people who go to church. They go to work and they are already planning how they are going to steal. If even in this church if they are going to say. Everything you have been doing has been found out. You have been given 30 minutes. Find the closest border to escape. We may hear that uh, the Lord has sent me to I don't know why when we are doing these things that we think we can't be caught. But when you have people who had dishonest gain, 
When you have people where they're blind, when you have people who stand for the truth, when you have people who fear God, when you, when you have people who are able, you are blessed. Even in the church. Hallelujah. Amen. Any pastor needs people like this. Men who are able, men who, men who stand for the truth, men, men who fear God. Men who are not going to take advantage of the young girls in the church. Men that you can entrust young people with. Men that, that you can send to someone else's wife and you know you are not going to hear any story. The, the, when you have a nation like that, you are blessed. And, and Jethro tells Moses, he says, you need to have people of such character. Men and women of God, I want to tell you, you can have talents, you can have gifts, you can have anything in life. But one thing that is going to keep you forever in life is one thing called character. You need to become a woman of character, a man of character. Hallelujah. All of us in our lives, there are areas in our lives where we really need help. Hallelujah. All of us, including me, there are areas where we need help. And, and one of the things we should acknowledge in life is we need to admit we can't do everything. Hallelujah. We can't do everything. Amen, church. And we also need to acknowledge that it's not easy to trust other people to do things that you can't do. Because you may feel like there's going to be a shift of power. If they do it, they will shine me. Ah, let them shine for two seconds. Let them have the glory for some two minutes. Hallelujah. So the counsel to Moses was... It's not good for you. It's also not good for Israel. You have to ease the burden. Let them carry it with you. So in another way, what was going to happen was that Moses was going to be affected by this shift in power structure. But he willingly empowers others with no loss of personal stature. If you want to succeed in life, lesson number one, learn you cannot do everything by yourself. You need to learn that. Hallelujah. So, the advice of Jethro, I've divided it into three parts. Number one, Jethro advised Moses to teach others. Now, the challenge we have in life is this. People ask me sometimes, and I say, you know what? You can only teach somebody who wants to be taught. Hallelujah. It is a waste of time trying to teach people who have made it in their life and have made a decision, no matter what you say, I will not listen. It's a waste of time. But Moses is advised, teach others. And, and it was interesting the way Jethro tells him, he says, you need, you need to have people that will be in charge of 1,000, in charge of 100, in charge of 50s, in charge of 10s. We need to understand and know in life, we do not have all the same capability. There are others who are able to do things 
more than we can. And there is no reason for us to begin to compare ourselves with others. He says, those who compare themselves with themselves, among themselves, they are not wise. Hallelujah. Don't, don't compare yourself with the Joneses. Don't compare yourself with anyone else. You only have one life. Hallelujah. And it's a challenge sometimes when you are in a circle of friends and, and then others are well to do than you. You sing the same song and everything else. You can easily be tempted to begin to copy things that you are not able to keep up with. Live your life. Live your life. Hallelujah. Don't, don't try to copy. Don't try to copy. Just live your life. Amen. So, so he says, you know what? You put together instructions. Come up with an operations manual so that the people will know exactly what to do. It's actually amazing that as you move on from here and you go into the book of Deuteronomy, Moses begins to write everything down. He begins to write everything down so that the people should know. Should know. It's not... You know, it's not everything that you should come to people and say, what is the Lord saying about my life? What is the Lord saying about... Just read the Bible. Hallelujah. Just read the Bible. If you read the Bible, you're going to find that in the Bible, there is counsel concerning each and everything about your life. About your life. How to do business... How to live in marriage as a young woman or as a young man who is not married. How to behave in a relationship and who you have to get married to and all those other things. It's in the Bible. So you don't need to quote somebody else and say, when you come to pastor, pastor, the first question he will ask you is, are you born again? You should say yes. <laughs> and when he says, what does it mean to be born again? You should say, it is receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, you are not fooling the pastor. You are fooling yourself. It is, if God so grants you the grace to get married, it is better to get married to somebody who fears God. It is better to get married who hates dishonest gain. It's better to get married to a man or, and a woman of truth. It's better to get married to a woman and a man who is able. Hallelujah. It's better. It's better to get married to such kind of a person. Because even Christian marriages go through challenges. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so Moses is advised, just do enough so that the people will know what to do. And, and you understand how you like it to be done. You can't live in this manner when, when it's all about you. It's not about you. And, and what I can say tonight, uh, tonight, this morning, is that you should never forget that you won't be here forever. Hallelujah. You won't be here forever. Amen, church. Amen. This lesson you should never forget. When you have been given counsel, it's because you won't be here forever. 
And, and, and that's a counsel I have to give you today. I was giving counsel to someone else. I said, like, why do you why do you behave as if you're going to be in this place forever? Can, can't you learn from history that there were others who were here before you? And they haven't been here forever. They left, but when they were here, they were thinking they're going to be here forever. And this is a very simple reason that you too are not going to be here forever. Hallelujah. And, and, and we need to know that. We need to begin to think right now and understand we are not going to be here forever. Number two. Jethro advises Moses, he says, appoint others as officials over the people. What he is basically telling him is delegate responsibility. Delegate responsibility despite the fear whether the person will do it with the same excellence as you. It's a lesson I've had to learn quickly. Maybe lately. Maybe slowly. But you want to know what? Delegate. Delegate. And I love that part when he says tens, fifties, hundreds, thousands. The others have to be CHF leaders. They just delegate. But when everybody is sick, you appear everywhere. When everybody else, you, you can't run all the home cells in town. You have to have people that are able, men of truth, men who fear God, men who have dishonest game. When I say men, I'm including women in that. Who will be able to run these things? Hallelujah. So if KICC really does not have home cells, maybe it's a challenge of the past, maybe it's a problem of the past, but it may also be not the problem of the past. It could be that people don't want to take on responsibility. But we need to understand that not one person can do all the work. When you read the Bible, there's one word that is frequently found in the Bible. It's called co-workers. 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 Basically meaning that multiple people pitching to get God's work done. Currently we are busy doing the fence and we have reached half the height of the fence. The day I was sent pictures and say, good news pastor, I wish you could see this map. Because from here to here... I was like, praise God that others can take on this responsibility and run with this because they know it's God's work. And some of us who gave, we don't even know where the blocks were bought. All we have seen is the fence is coming up. The builders now have gone on recess. 28th of December, they are coming back. And they continue building, and they continue building, and they continue building. And I'm trusting God that come January 31st, the fence will be over. Come to, uh, sometime in 2022, we'll begin building. We have seen that we can build. And, and it's us. There hasn't been any pound from anywhere. It's been us. 2,000 kwacha, 50 tambala, 100 kwacha. And, and people giving and, and we are building. Amen? Amen? But that's how God's work is done. Amen? Amen? Even if one person could do all the work, 
it's not in the best interest or the best interest of the Lord to cause him to do all. There is always a need to involve and train others to labor. So even as we come in 2022, we are going back to training the people once again. When we started the training people in 2021, and the training was going into February, going into March, going into May, people were saying, what is it, Pastor? What is it that he wants to do? It has never happened. Why, 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 why is he doing it? And we started with people, and we saw people dropping off, yeah. dropping off, dropping off, dropping off. A few went on all the way to the end, and were given responsibilities. And those who dropped off, eventually they did what people do all the time, they complained. <laughs> so we are, we are starting another training in 2022. Come for the training. Those of you who were trained this year, don't say, we were trained already, Pastor. Uh -uh. There's always something new in life. Hallelujah. So it says, help the people understand the vision so that they can see where they're headed and what is needed to get there. And as a church, we need that. We need people to understand where is KICC going? How are we going to get there? But how we are going to get there, the pastor doesn't have all the answers. And we need one precept there. We need one wisdom there. We need another wisdom there. Don't wait until something happens. Do it up front. Build a strong team. And when you build a strong team, it does not only help to address the current needs, but it also sets the stage for a strong future. Amen? Amen. Lesson number three. Jethro advised Moses to take on only the most difficult cases. So, there's an example of a difficult case that had to come to Moses. You find it in Numbers 36. In Numbers 36, there was a gentleman called Zalophehad. Zalophehad was from the tribe of Manasseh. And he only had daughters. He didn't have sons. So one time they came to Moses. And they said, this issue about land has been divided according to tribes. We, the daughters, from the Zelophehad, if we get married to somebody, what will happen is that the portion of our land will end up getting to the other tribe. So, how are we going to handle this then? So, Moses, that issue had now to come to Moses. Because the 1,000 rulers, they didn't know the answer for this. There, those who were leading hundreds, they didn't have an answer. Those who were leading the fifties, they didn't have an answer. Those that were leading the tens, they didn't have an answer. So, Moses went to inquire, and Moses then judged that issue. He says, this is what is going to happen. Because you are from the tribe of Manasseh, in order to make sure that the land that belongs to Manasseh does not end up in another tribe, you have to only get married to somebody from the tribe of Manasseh. Because if this one is from the tribe of Manasseh, and you have land who you inherit 
separated from your father and you are a girl and you are from the tribe of Manasseh, the man is from the tribe of Manasseh, then the land will stay within the tribe of Manasseh. That one needed to go to Moses. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because it was an issue to do with inheritance. It was a unique curse. And Moses is the one who did guidance. And, and, and it's important that we have to understand, our lesson is this. We have to understand that when you acknowledge that you need help, it does not imply that you are weak. Hallelujah. It actually demonstrates wisdom. When you say, I need help here, I don't know how to deal with this issue. It just demonstrates a lot of wisdom. For the young people in this church, I'll tell you this. What you are going through today, we have gone through it before. They may not have been Instagram, but we had our own version of Instagram during our time. There may have been no P-interest, there may have been no WhatsApp, there may have been no all these things that you are facing today. But you know what? We have been through it and I can tell you today, there is only one answer and only one answer alone for mankind. And that answer is in the Bible. That's where the answer is. Hallelujah. Don't say, no, times are hard now. They were also very hard for us. We used to sweep at 4 a.m. outside. Ah, do you sweep today? You don't sweep. You sleep. You don't sweep. You go with food to school. We used to go on empty stomach. Our only snack was roasted maize put in a plastic bottle. Bottle of lakovo. That's what we went through. And, and we would put a bit of salt. For it to be nice. Even when we went to secondary school. That's what we took with us. Life was hard. Life is not hard today. And when you say that you think we are lying. But life was hard. So each generation. Faces its own version of challenges. But there is one thing. Which is called the Bible. The ancient of days. The word of God. Which does not change. Heaven and earth will pass away, but this world will remain forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It demonstrates wisdom. Go seek counsel. I met, I met a friend the other day. He says, my wife and I, we agreed when we got married that we will sort out issues amongst ourselves. We are not going to go and seek counsel from anyone else. I was like, I said, do you know that it's called pride? Said, do you know that is called pride? You're not, you're not Adam and Eve. That is my answer. You're not Adam and Eve. You're not the first couple on planet Earth. You always get a lot of wisdom from other people. They may not have done it perfectly, but they may have learned from it. And they don't want you to go through the same thing. Hallelujah. So after all this counsel has come to Moses, Moses had to make a decision. And, and, and I would like to say that it's not enough to make a decision. You must take action. Hallelujah. Moses had the advice from Jethro. He made a choice to accept it. Then he went to work. He chose co-workers. 
delegated authority to them, and then God be the judging. It is wonderful to have talent, but unless those who possess it have a heart that is ready to work and cooperate with other rebels, the work will not be as effective. And we all need to have one heart and one mind. There's one line I love from uh, this story we read in Exodus 1824, and it's this line. It says, Moses heeded his father-in-law. Moses listened to his father-in-law. Although what Moses was doing was working, he still listened to his father-in-law because he knew there was room for improvement. And it's important for you to listen to others. Say amen. amen. It's important. It's important for you to listen to others. And it's important especially when it seems like everything is going on well and you think you don't need advice. Actually, that's when you need advice. The challenge is that we want advice. We are very prone. I think it's human nature. We are very prone to listen more attentively when things are not going well. And, we, and, and this is what we say. This is how we say. Yes, pastor. Yes, pastor. Yes, pastor. When they are not going well. When they are going well. The things are achieved. You haven't achieved. And you think you have got the audacity to give me advice. Maybe it should be me to advise you. But there's a proverb that says, what a child sees whilst is standing, an old man sees whilst he's sitting down. Amen? Amen? But not every old man is wise. There are others who behave like 12 year olds. It's only old men who are able, who fear God, who have dishonest gain. Hallelujah? Those ones are wise. Amen? Amen? The challenge is to listen even when we think we have, we have it right. Even when you have it right, listen. When you listen, it does not automatically mean you're going to change course. But it can make you aware that you need to be mindful of what is ahead. Amen? Amen. We must learn to listen both in good times and in challenging times. When you hit cancel, when you listen to cancel, one thing I can assure you, you will never be put to shame. Amen? Amen? You will never be put to shame. People will wonder that you are very wise. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Our prayer is that God has spoken to your heart. Be blessed in this week.